You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 594, 10 to the Top replaces Popmaster, Glastonbury's 2023 lineup is announced, Pop Music's Me Too moment is just around the corner, and should Gary Lineker and the BBC part company? That's all coming up after Amy MacDonald and This Is The Life. music career started with a whoosh with her first album uh, reached number one in the uk in 2007 and each successive album has been a huge hit that was the title track of her first album the rather underrated amy mcdonald and this is the life yes very much agree it's underrated i have to say i very much like it it's the best washing up soundtrack there is i don't know what it is about it what its properties are but it just works really well it's just it's just really lovely i'm a big fan um hooray for amy mcdonald (laughs) welcome to the parish council it's episode 594 i'm terence stackham and just announced as the replacement for Gary Lineker <laughs> on Match of the Day, it's Julia Harris. I was saying to someone the other day that they, there's always a, a, a more and more ridiculous introduction of me every week. And now there's every time there's any major news story, instead of digesting it like a normal person would, I think, oh, I wonder if this is going to be Terence's <laughs> intro for me this week. Anyway, good, good hello, good hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good work, whatever and wherever you are. Now, we talked recently about the exodus of long-established broadcasters from BBC Radio 2, and Hmm. none more long-serving than Ken Bruce, who has moved over, as we discussed recently, to Greatest Hits Radio. Hmm. His long-term replacement is going to be Vernon Kay. But because the BBC rather churlishly ended Ken Bruce's appearances early, this week Gary Davis stood in and hosted the replacement for the uh, legendary quiz Popmaster, the new quiz 
series is called 10 to the Top. Mm. And when we listened in uh, to its debut this week, it, it involved Gary Davis giving a very lengthy explanation <laughs> yes. of how it works, which immediately leads to misgivings because the most successful quizzes yes. are the simplest. And Davis, he, he even joked about uh, that you need an Excel spreadsheet to keep on top of the scoring system. So, um, Jules, how passionate was your engagement with this quiz and its underwhelming star prize of a 20 quid smart speaker? Yes, I thought that the budget could have, you know, clearly there's yeah. very little left in the BBC cupboard, isn't there, really? Honestly, you know, next year there's going to be some Radio 1 branded rubber ring or something. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't enormously taken with the prize. Firstly, no. I need to point out that Gary Davis's full name is, in fact, Ooh, Gary Ooh, Davis. Gary Davis. Yeah, d- d- yeah, let's give him his full title. Yes, I, I mean, I, I, I'm perhaps not the... I, I'm both the best and the worst person to talk to about quiz formats mm. because I, you know, should have a good... I should have a good knowledge and a good grasp of what works and what doesn't but the fact of the matter is Terence I don't care just give me more questions so regardless of whether or not it is good I am just it's it's an illness I just compulsively answer questions so I think my biggest annoyance with this as a form was I know they only gave them five seconds, which was shorter than they did for Popmaster answers, mm. yet it felt longer somehow. <laughs> and it was just like, look, come on, just, you know, stop, you know, what's the game about? Just ask them the questions. And actually, I have to say, I got into it because they were asking people quite, I'll get into anything if you of ask course, questions yeah. quickly enough. But, um, and if it is music questions as well, usual thing, one person's set is harder than the others. I got all 10 of hers right. And did I got, you? yes, I did. Oh, I didn't, I thought they were fairly, the Reynolds girls was the only one that was a, a, a vague curveball at the end. But, um, but I got all hers and I got seven of his, I think. So, so I didn't think that was very balanced, but then that might just be me. Who knows? Um, I actually started by the end of his questions, mm. I started to warm to the format a bit because it had an extra level. I mean, I know there was the joke about, oh, it's very complicated and you start again at one if you get it mm. wrong. But actually, it just goes to show that having the Joker kind of thing in it was quite useful. It involved some level of skill and judgment as well of actually playing the game as mm. well as knowing, you know, what the Reynolds girls hit was, you know, who had a number one with when a child is born, that sort of thing. So actually, I think if I did this every day, it's yes, it is. It is a little bit tricky, but in places with the scoring. But having said that, it is. I, I quite liked it. I think if I did hear this every day, if it was on a radio station I habitually listened to, I would hear it every day. And to be honest, we all know what's going to happen with me. I'm obsessed with every quiz ever, so I will end up listening to this. As l- I hope that they have the good sense to clip it into a podcast, like Popmaster mm. clipped into a mm. podcast, because that's what made Popmaster, I think, even more popular than it yes. was already. Because it, it meant that you got to listen to it without having to listen to, you know, mm. It's a blessing, Cambridge on Radio 2, or insert replacement here. I mean, Gary yeah. Davis might as well have been pickled in something, mightn't he, really? He was exactly the same as he was 40 years ago. He is still, that's why I'm telling you, he's still ooh, Gary Davis. <laughs> he's, I mean, bless him. He's harmless enough, isn't he, Gary Davis? I think that's that's the highest praise I mm. can give Gary Davis, who is at least, you know, kind to the people that come on and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, you know, obviously Popmaster was an institution, I think this will probably bed in nicely enough, as long as, you know, they don't do too mucking, too much mucking about and they just get on with rattling off the questions. Then you can enjoy, you know, the jeopardy and the overconfidence of somebody that's got eight questions right, plays their joker and is then completely undone by uh, not remembering who slayed or whatever. You know, maybe there'll be some, if you get obnoxious contestants on, there may be some level of Shackton Freud in, in people falling over. I don't know. But um, I, 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 I warmed to this more than I thought I would actually okay I, I think i should just explain to new listeners that mm. juliet's view on this is very very welcome because she is the quiz queen of the united oh, kingdom not, not having, true not true having won rylan's uh you, you spent a summer saturday afternoon quiz and you've been on eggheads and you've uh, people are more impressed by that than the fact that i'm a lawyer it's hilarious it's yes. really funny i was on eggheads for a total of four minutes and lost yeah people <laughs> people seem to find this extremely impressive so uh, hooray for them i'm i'm by no means a champion i just have a skin in the game as being an enthusiastic quizzer i think is what terence is trying to tell you i found 10 to the top quite 
um, I found it a bit run of the mill rather than confusing. Mm. I thought it was a bit dull because just to have question after question um, that were all along the lines of who had a hit with blah, blah, blah in 1998 yes. or whatever. Um but um, no, there were two good aspects to it. One, one of mm. which you've mentioned already. Uh, otherwise, I find it a bit bland. Firstly, contestants were, as you say, only given five seconds to answer each question. So that just about rules out Googling unless yes, you have super fast fingers and the swiftest inter- Internet connection in the country. Although, having said that, the Daily Mail this week actually ran a story um, that one of the early contestants was indeed Googling her answers because she used four yeah. out of her five seconds and was just just coming in with the answer just as the bell was about mm. to ring um secondly the thing that really i did think was a uh, uh, an upscale on the day we listened in there was little chit chat with the contestants yes i'm very much welcome that obviously I really welcome well, that. but i really don't need to hear about people's jet skiing holidays or whatever it, it is exactly they want to and there were no shout outs to the wife and children listening no. downstairs and everyone else that knows me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we just don't care about these people. Just no. come on. Don't okay. know who's stinging. Well, it that always strikes me as ridiculous because it's going to engage the seven people you mentioned. The other nine million people listening are yes. kind of thinking, well, so what? I don't care about his aunt exactly. Jenny who lives in, you know, um, Gravesend. Although, although the power of radio is weird. I mean, I, when you say other oh, people listening don't care, I, I I would get texts from numbers that shamefully I'd no longer had in my phone from people that knew me from millions of years ago because they had heard me when they were sat in Tesco's car park on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon when Ryland was on. So um, so it is it is weird. It does have a weird pull. The one thing I would say actually, and yeah. I think you're right. So yes, that was an upscale. I think uh, you made that point well, and I hadn't quite thought of that. that the slight flatness of it was the very similar nature of the questions mm. and actually the thing that lifted Popmaster was the 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 bonus rounds that you picked so exactly. you could pick either you know why does it always rain on me or you know Motown Gold mm. or whatever the categories were called and then you get an additional three points for each of those questions and often that was the that was the difference between people succeeding or people failing I suppose what they're attempting to do with that here is a the joker and b the if you get one right, you then get two for the next one, three yeah. for the next one. But if you get one wrong, then you'll you bump back, back down to start mm-hmm. at one again. And maybe that's what they're. Maybe that will work. Maybe we're just getting used to the fact that that it's a different format. Perhaps I don't know, but, so. Yeah. One curiosity is that Radio 2 um, plans and are pre-recording this quiz every day. Mm, so it's not I didn't long. know that. Mm. I'm not quite sure why they're doing that, other than maybe to trim out any, can I say Googlers. hello to Jamie, my husband, please. Oh, maybe, so. yes. Yeah. Now, as we said, Gary Davis is hosting as an interim measure because of the uh, bizarre churlish ending of Ken Bruce's uh, appearances early. And as you rightly say, bizarrely, he still sounds exactly as when he joined Radio One in the early 80s. But the permanent presenter will be Vernon Kay. And I wonder if you can help, Jules, because I know almost nothing about the fellow. Is he a good choice uh, to replace Ken Bruce? Well, he's an interesting choice. I think if I had to pick a, a slightly more obvious choice, I probably would have gone with Michael Ball, but of course, who's, who does cover already on, on Radio 2 in mornings. He's covered for Zone Ball before. I think he's covered for Ken Bruce before. Um, a very avuncular fellow, very nice presence, would suit Radio 2 nicely. Um, having said that, though, we don't know, Sir T, who's been offered it and who doesn't want it yeah. and all that sort of thing. It's the a big book, commitment, isn't it? If it you, is. Michael it Ball is, is still a stage performer, isn't he? So, yeah. Five mornings a week is a big commitment. It really is. Quite a long show as well, I think. And, and yeah, like you say as well, it's interesting how bookies sometimes get these things wrong, despite mm. thinking that, you know, you follow the money. They've made Lauren Laverne the favourite at 11 to 2 to take over, whereas no, anybody that knows much it. about Lauren Laverne would know that she would be very unlikely yeah. to to leave six music to have to play level 42 at quarter to 11 on, a, on, a, on, on Radio 2. But so so Vernon Kane, an interesting choice. And I, I, I would be interested to see how this goes. I think that Radio 2 are now, if they've got any sense, I think, given that uh, I know that some of these presenters are going off to other networks, but 
this is going to sound awful and I don't mean to sound <laughs> ageist at all, but I think they are trying to succession plan. Yeah. And actually, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world, because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is that we've debated this before about the accident, Roger Bolton and things like that. That yeah. Sometimes there are some and Roger Bolton, not the case at all. And I did listen to that podcast and it is really good. Mm. Um but some presenters try to go on long after they've passed their sell-by date. So actually, even if some people just retire, it is not a bad idea for Radio 2 to start developing, you know, radio presences of the future rather than getting to the stage where a handful of them go or have to be gone. And then you don't know who you're going to replace them with. Vernon Kay, um, so I'm familiar with him as a television presenter from my youth initially. Right. I think he was one of the presenters on the T4 strand oh, on Channel right, 4. Yeah. Um, he started off life as a model and then went into presenting. Um, uh, so he's so in terms of age, he is 48, which isn't that young, but by Radio mm. 2 standards, <laughs> it's quite young, I suppose, really. Yeah. And, um, and I hadn't really realised, but he does actually have quite a strong radio grounding. I'd sort of forgotten, but he had a show on Radio 1 for eight years from 2004 to 2012. Mm-hmm. Had his own show on Radio X, which is the, the station for me now. It's XFM between mm. 2015 and 2017. Um, he is the husband of Tess Daly from Strictly Come Dancing. There was an adverse news story involving him doing some daft things over texting people yeah, that weren't so her. That. Yeah. But, um, but yes, he buy and love, which rather rather trashed is he had a rather wholesome image both in looks and in kind of sort of you know the kind of stuff he did having said that he does clearly it was a top of the pops presenter he does clearly have a background in presenting and in music presenting particularly radio and actually i think the top of the pop stuff is quite key because if you're presenting a daytime radio show on one of the major BBC networks, or indeed any of the major commercial networks, I would say, if you're not doing a specialist show, if you're not on a station that has slightly specialist kind of uh, ambitions, like Six Music does, for example, hence why we mentioned Lauren Laverne, if you're, if, you're, if you're a mainstream radio presenter, you don't have to have tons of knowledge I think nowadays in these kind of radio to drive time start or sort of peak time kind of formats, how much knowledge do you really have to have about music when the specialist stuff yeah, is really interesting in the evenings and the more interesting stuff is on in yeah. the evenings? As long as you can be cheer like Gary Davis is, be cheery with people that come on as contestants, you know, be able to run features in an endearing way and, you know, are able to introduce Sally Traffic and the news competently and that sort of thing. And the music that is played on Radio 2 is fairly mainstream fair. Like it or not, that seems to be what, what people seem to want in their vans, in their, you know, on their factory floors, you know, in their shops, you know, wherever these things are listening, you know, when they're doing stuff mm. at home, where these things are listening, in their offices. That's the kind of thing that people want to want. I think Vernon Kay will be perfectly fine for that, having heard him, you know, my youth on radio and knowing his presenting style. In the same way that Dermot O'Leary is, actually, to be fair, I, I would put them in a similar bracket. Dermot O'Leary was rocketed up by doing sort of pop stars, American mm. Idol, X Factor, that sort of thing. Okay. I think that, you know, Radio 2 and all of these blokes on Radio 2, Ken Bruce and people like that, they all started off the same, didn't they? You know, these mm. people had to come from somewhere. So, so why not give Vernon a go, see what happens? I wish him well. I'm not convinced as much as you are that 10 to the top is going to be part of the show for very long. But mm. you know, maybe in 10 years time, people are saying, oh, 10 year anniversary of that quiz show. Isn't it so popular? But we'll see. Um, mm. Coming right up, the Glastonbury lineup is announced. And is the music business facing its own rather awkward Me Too moment? That's next after Frank Sidebottom. Oh, guess who's been on much of the day? the day. 
stick shopping trolley For doing the shopping for me mum Cos I've been on the match of the day Turns out the answer to the question, guess who's been on Match of the Day, was nobody this week. <laughs> that we will discuss later on yeah. in the programme. And I could not resist, given the developing story um, uh, that, again, is possibly still developing as we speak, we think. we will, Again, we yes. will discuss this later yes. on. Um, having been awoken by Radio 4 today on Saturday morning, and the situation had, shall we say, somewhat escalated since we had checked in with it on Friday evening before going to bed. Um, yes, it, uh, this was the first song that came to my mind big fan of frank side bottom rip's oeuvre in general and uh yeah the, the let's all dance to the christmas medley my other favorite song of his but uh yeah i thought i thought in a week of big debate and and, and mm. big stress on on big football on big bbc i uh, i thought that it would be rather nice to have frank delight us with one of his lovely tunes there's a statue of uh, Chris Seavey as is. Uh, Frank Sidebottom in, in, in uh, Timperley in Great yes, Manchester. And the plaque reads, as long as I gaze on Timperley sunset, I am in paradise. <laughs> So, so there's a, quite a few adaptations of Timperley um, in the music. I have got um, the Frank's Favourites, Firm Favourites EP, in which um, there's a various medley that involves anarchy in Timperley, the reworking of the Sex Pistols classic. I mean, it is it is really good. I mean, R.I.P. Chris Seavey and Frank, because um, ch- I was trying to explain this song to various people at the football match I went to, which was not on match of the day because it was not a Premier League football match. But, um, but yeah, nonetheless, yeah. we sat through hours of highlights to see 30 seconds of QPR, a match we'd seen already because it's football supporting is its very own kind of sickness. But um, but yeah, I was trying to explain this. People go, I hadn't heard of Frank Sidebottom. And you'd show them a picture of the Papi Masha and they'd go, oh yeah, him! <laughs> so, uh, so yes, he has very good facial recognition, does Frank. I rather like the way when Glastonbury announced their festival lineup. Yes. Apart from the nightly headliners, they print them in alphabetical order. Yeah, so you can work your way down through the names and be able to go, oh, you know, Blondie, oh, Candy Staten and mm. oh, look, Manic Street Preachers. It's uh, easy to navigate, Stevens. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. As you you know, your eyes scan downwards. The headliners this year are Arctic Monkeys, Guns N' Roses and Elton John, all male, of course. But and we, Lizzo as well. who's Lizzo who's is the headliner, yeah. Named as a headliner, but I don't know which day is she headlining because the, the, the Arctic Monkeys are Friday, Guns N' Roses Saturday and Elton John Sunday. So I wonder if that might have been to distract from the uh, fact that all three headliners it, were it, male. Indeed, that's why I thought when I saw her name at the top, I thought, mm. well, how much of a headliner? Um, but actually, though, women do seem to be well represented throughout, apart from not headlining. So, mm. Jules, I'm too old for festivals, but for you young people, this looks quite <laughs> a red hot lineup, I think. I continue to admire your optimism of comparing to me as a young person when increasingly 40 is appearing over the hill. Um, no, that that is it's interesting, this, isn't it? I could take or leave Guns and Roses as a fright as a Saturday night headliner, and the Arctic Monkeys I like very much, but they've they've headlined before at least once, probably more oh, than okay. once, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and Elton John is a great choice for the Sunday night. I would think he would put on a marvelous show um, at similar levels of emotion, maybe to. Paul McCartney the other year so yeah. so yes I would you know I, I'm I'm big key on that as Glastonbury does now 
moved towards the rather glitzier. Beyonce was an enormous success when she headlined on the Saturday, on the Sunday evening, I think it was. And that remains one of my favourite performances of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ter- tremendous. Right up, even including the point where she descends on the pyramid at the end and shouts <laughs> to everyone to drive safely. I mean, talk yeah. about you know embracing the thing. It's a shame there was no raffle for her to draw. I thought she would have done it well, but um, but yeah, I I think to me. It's a little bit sort of, oh, yeah, you know, it, it feels a little bit like um, I know you have to have a certain kudos to, and a sort of, stat, a sort of st- a stature to headline a festival. Part of me does think, I wonder how, and this is a topic we'll return to later on, how many bands are coming through that we are still relying on people like Guns N' Roses uh, to, to headline mm. who are, I, for me, they feel like they're long past their sell-by date, but haven't yet become a heritage act in the way that Elton John and, and, yeah. and his contemporaries are. And the Arctic Monkeys, it's almost, you've almost felt like someone, well, I'm surprised Coldplay aren't headlining again in terms <laughs> of rolling out the same old people. Having said that, as is usually the case with festivals, and with any festival I've ever gone to, never been to Glastonbury which is mad but in terms of you know festivals I've gone to it's always about the undercard for me than it is necessarily the headliners and some of the best people I've seen at festivals have been either on tiny little other stages or they've been like earlier on in the day on a main stage or something so I saw Beth Orton on a main stage at Latitude years ago in the afternoon she was really good Um, I very much uh, discovered the Go team um, in the afternoon on the main stage having not been familiar with them previously in the then became borderline obsessed with them and like you say it's rather nice that they set it out in this alphabetical order so it looks you know when you look at um the people that have made the poster so far um they all look you know pretty good there seems to be something for everybody very delighted to see the nova twins who have some links with hastings um put on the the, the main poster there um interesting that they bring people over so the chicks uh the artist former nuns the dixie chicks are appearing yes. which i thought was quite an interesting booking um uh the thundercats sedan archives you know some you know all sorts of fact the perennial fat boy slim who i suspect will be playing in about seven places probably at once <laughs> um candy statton if she would be worth my money i think if i was going i would be interested to see her um the usual rappers that you and i are unfamiliar with like h <laughs> that we have to spell a-t-i-c-h but um but as always some of the best stuff people will see won't be on that poster it will be you know someone you've seen in the glade or someone on the park yeah, stage and actually yeah. that's where the tv coverage of glass and bridge is pretty good some of the smaller stages aren't televised but i remember seeing sigrid the uh, likable norwegian pop star on the park stage i think it was a few years ago and, th- and seeing her at a tea time at glastonbury on a sunday and thinking yeah she's pretty good she's got legs and then she was quite high up on the other stage about two or three years later so that's that's quite interesting so yeah i i suspect that it will be really good because Glastonbury lineups are always really good because it's huge. So virtually everybody plays there. So even if your favourite band isn't on the poster yet, they probably will be playing somewhere at Glastonbury, I would think. <laughs> uh, the Elton show on Sunday night could be quite emotional, as you say, yes. as it will be the last British date of his last ever tour. Having said uh, that, this is not his first last ever tour, is it, no, may I say? No, but anyway, no. may- maybe this time it's for real handful of European dates to come after Glastonbury and then allegedly that's it. So mm. a good Glastonbury lineup, uh, including Elton. I have one huge wish for the BBC's coverage of the whole event, which I know won't happen, but I continue uh, to pray that we see the day. I mention it far too often. And that is for them just to show the action on the BBC, mm. on the stages and the arena. I don't want soppy disc jockeys and excruciating interviews just show the music that's Absolutely. true although i will push back a little bit on that will you now? If I, if, <laughs> thank you for embracing <laughs> the debate terence as always <laughs> no one thing i would say is that i've seen some excellent performances on the bbc yeah. over the years from the sort of the acoustic area that they have on the sort of you know your beloved djs and flim flam oh, in between yeah. they occasionally cut to acoustic performances that was where i first discovered eric bibb and taj mahal the blues guitarists unexpectedly doing a little thing there occasionally they had acoustic performances that were really good i'm not sure if they do them still now but they were certainly a feature when i was growing up in the sort of 90s and the noughties i would i i would i would try and keep those i think and they would have to be introed of course but otherwise i stand with you as always seti yeah i'm not against the acoustic sets at all i just don't want um what's the name in a floaty dress and wellingtons um <laughs> soppily introducing them it's just unnecessary um 
now I, I, I really hesitated about because this mm. next little bit relates to Glastonbury and what's happened yes. this year. And I did hesitate about mentioning because I, I know it's very mm. awkward and I know it's uncomfortable. Yes, exactly. I keep wondering when the music business's version of Me Too is going to crop up big mm. time. And perhaps it's getting closer as and, I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be straight mm. here. I don't think this is before time. Glastonbury are renaming the John Peel stage. And at the same time, the BBC is renaming the John Peel wing at Broadcasting House. And, you know, Jules, I, I, I know this mm. is awkward, but it should have been done a long time ago. But at least it's a start. Well, it's tricky, this, isn't it? What, what's interesting, and I found this aspect of it quite interesting, um, is, is that um, it seems to be quite sensitively handled by Glastonbury, who have said that they have a, you know, they have a, a good relationship with the family, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. There's been a, a change.org. If something doesn't happen on change.org, then it's clearly not an issue. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, had a, had a, um, uh, the, the change.org page, there was a petition to have it renamed mm. that started last year. That only got 1,820 signatures, interestingly, and it cited his, um, you know, infamous marriage to a 15-year-old girl when he was in his 20s. Um, which but there's more, Jules. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's admitted it... having, you know, intimate relations with girls under the age of 16, and there's a word for that, and it begins with R. Yes, I know. Although, having said that, um, you know, do we, do we are, I mean, and it, it, we've had this conversation before, and I'm sure we'll keep mm-hmm. having it. Um, you know, can people ever be rehabilitated? He had expressed regret in later life, but, but prior mm-hmm. to his death you know that that's that's an interesting one isn't it you know do do people if you talk about it publicly and you express regret do we just draw a line under people forever i don't know and it feeds into this cancel culture doesn't it but uh I just well, don't think you can. I know we probably disagree on this, but, you know, I mean, I know that some people find it very hard when the truth about their hero emerges. Yeah, true, and it's true. a dilemma for many you know, to decide whether they can forgive and forget. I understand. Can you listen to John Lennon and John Martin the same way when you know about their yeah, violence exactly. to women? And, what, and, you... and also, in, interestingly, and, and I'm going to sort of throw this back at you a little mm. bit now and say, obviously, you and me very much looking forward to Elton John's set, you know, we talked about. Mm. We've also on this podcast previously talked about the absolute embarrassment that is island girl indeed yes and, and he doesn't and, play and it anymore yes no exactly although of course happens, uh, bernie it? torpin wrote the words but he performed it he certainly yes, exactly. performed it and, it and should be ashamed name. of doing so yeah well exactly but then do do but do we cancel elton john for a single song it's difficult to say isn't it but um Very but difficult. but having said that that's you know, a bit different though to um Taking, uh, yes, I said, I said we the family yes, podcast, exactly. but you but know, his said, conduct is abhorrent. But having said that, you could say the same about David Bowie, couldn't you? Who, of course, headlined headline Glastonbury. And Indeed. I know you had I... you had views on that as well. They do. It gets very awkward. David Bowie, Jimmy Page, plenty of others have similar issues as Peel. And I know many fans won't hear it. I know I've got a friend who's a huge um, devotee of John Martin and gets really uh, unexpectedly angry Mm. when this subject comes up. Um, I know many fans won't hear of it or shout it down. Um, David Bowie, since the more and more stories came out, I have to say... And it's so sad, but this is just my own take on it. I don't think I've played a David Bowie song in the last 10 years because Mm. I listen to the song and I just think about the, again, Mm. the actions that the man took. Yes, many Mm. years ago, but it's that R word again. That's what mm. it is. And yes. why should they, here's, here's a thing, Jules, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with this, mm. but why should there be one rule for Gary Glitter, yes, who exactly. did exactly the same thing and is as vilified as is Rolf Harris and many of those other awful people? Um, why is there a one rule for Gary Glitter and not the same rule for John Peel and David Bowie? Maybe to some extent with Peel, it might have been the expression of regret within their own lifetime and sort of living a bit. But, you know, I, t- I absolutely take the point that you're making. It's mm. just a really awkward and difficult thing, isn't it, really? I'd, I've had two things sullied in my lifetime that I really loved John Peel and the Tour de France because it turns out everyone was on drugs and not a superhero <laughs> yes. after all. Yes, so, uh, so, yes, it's. Uh, but having said that, 
you know, maybe it is time to move on. Um, and actually, you know, I thought the, the Glastonbury statement was good. And I thought that, you know, that obviously the BBC have taken the decision at the same time. Although, as we'll talk about later on, the BBC's decisions seem to be a bit oh, scattershot in general at the moment. So, so well, maybe not the best We will be coming on to that maybe. in a minute. You're yeah. quite right. And coming next, uh, Gary Lineker, a free thinker or virtue signaling. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and more cuts at the BBC. Um, that's right after the wonderful new single from Arlo Park. this year all around the world from Tokyo in Japan to Brussels mm. in Belgium um, her new album My Soft Machine is released at the end of May and that was a splendid new single taken from it Arlo Parks and Impurities I really like Arlo Parks and actually what I really like about Arlo Parks some of the music's great some of it leaves me not exactly cold but I'm just a little bit indifferent to but my friend Grace who often sums things up so well said this here that that we're just really pleased that she exists and Grace said I wish she'd been around when I was a scared sad scared queer teen either as a singer or as my friend she gives me (laughs) hope for the kids and actually I do think you know what I'm so pleased that a generation below me have people like her and Billie Eilish and you know people that just hmm. seem to be really good at, at, at doing what they do and being open and being role models or, or, or not being role models I enjoy I find the fact that Courtney Barnett is a bit of a mess in her lyrics quite a lot of the time very relatable <laughs> so so I just think it's I just I like the music but I like the fact that she is here even more I think 
Well, we thought the last bit was contentious. This could be oh, so as God. well. But... <laughs> Get your tomatoes out, everyone. Yeah, here we so, go. So, you, know, so you still can't buy any in Britain, but those of you listening abroad <laughs> do get your tomatoes out. Um, we, we alluded to earlier, we were actually recording this on Sunday evening, the 12th mm. of March. And um, at, at the moment, we keep, I keep seeing uh, breaking a news, news update, yes. so breaking news, that the BBC and Gary Lineker are close to a resolution or getting closer to a resolution. It's not so, a, so, a, a, Neville Chamberlain appearing with a piece yes. of paper from an aeroplane, yes. But I think we should look at the bigger bigger picture. It's mm. not so much whether they sort out this argument or not. There's a bigger picture here. Every now and then, Jeremy Clarks and Gary Lineker, they, they feature across newspapers, television, mm. radio, with stories suggesting that they're about to be sacked for something they've written or mm. said. In Clarkson's case, of course, the BBC decided not to renew his contract when he biffed his producer. Well, uh, yes, I, and I do think that was right. I don't yes, think violent conduct of underlings yeah. is particularly acceptable. Indeed. Um, but more often than not, it's words that cause the difficulty. This week, Gary Lineker, mm. for those outside the UK, just very quickly, yes. yeah. amongst other employment, he hosts football coverage for the BBC. And uh, Lineker criticised on social media the present government's plans to curb the number of people trying to en- enter Britain illegally by boat. And he drew, he drew a comparison to Germany in the 1930s. What bewilders me, Jules, is the assumption that people are so stupid that we believe yes. that BBC must also take this as its editorial line simply because Lineker tweets it. I, I, if an actor in EastEnders says that mm. Brexit is wonderful or if a weather presenter says they don't like Donald Trump, is that then also the BBC's view? You'd have to be an absolute eejit to make that jump. So on that basis, in the nicest possible way, who cares what Gary Lineker says, Jules? And actually, I think that is very, very well expressed. That wasn't quite where I thought you'd be on this, but I very much <laughs> like that as a as an expression. I think it's good, actually. And I think that there is something going wrong at the BBC at the moment now. I, I, I'm a lover and defender of the Beeb always, but I think there's I think there is an issue here. What's interesting, and I, I can't remember where I read this, but it was in a it was in a national news outlet, I think, yeah. over the weekend, that in twenty sixteen and twenty 2018, Gary Lineker had made similar-ish comments on a, on a, on on the same issue on, on you know, sort of it, it, the migrants and rights and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the line that the BBC took at, on both of those occasions was, "He is a sports presenter. Exactly. He's not a news broadcaster." You know, Gary Lineker is not hosting the ten or the six. Gary Lineker is hosting programs about football. Now, where that became slightly complicated, I think, was when. They was Qatar basically, and 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 you know that in order to justify the fact that people that that you know said they they believed in human rights were happy to take the money in Qatar, the BBC let them do a little bit of editorialising at the beginning, didn't they? In terms of, I mean, and personally, I don't think Qatar should ever have happened, but that is that is that is still my view. But in 2016 and 2018, it was fine. Tim Davey, the former Conservative councillor, took over as Director General in 2020, claiming, you know, wanting impartiality. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, Gary Lineker is now a broadcast journalist instead of, let's face it, a presenter. I mean, it's not like Gary Neville. Would it be not Gary Neville, Gary Lineker? Sorry, but but you, Gary Neville's an example. Gary Neville doesn't appear on the BBC, I don't think, anymore, does he? He's just Sky and, and, yeah, and elsewhere. Sky. But if you had someone like Gary Neville, say, or, or Alan Shearer or anybody like that, they are pundits, so they are employed to give views, but those views are on football, but they're employed to give views. Gary Lineker doesn't necessarily give views, does he? He says, hello, welcome to Match of the Day. Yeah. With me this evening, I have Ian Wright and Alan Shearer. Yes. So, so if anything, you could argue, well, maybe there might be a flimsy argument if he was a pundit that you could have that. Um, yet we live in this world, Sir T, and I think you'll agree with, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me on this. How come we are having this ridiculous cats in a sack, usually BBC, usual BBC mishandling? Mm. I'm informed by a source that apparently, who works for a different arm of the BBC, that there was a WhatsApp group constructed at the weekend, which they were basically on Saturday evening begging for anybody that had any relevant <laughs> PR experience at all to right. please join this WhatsApp group and help 
manage this complete train wreck that they managed to create themselves, as always, forgetting that the fact, of course, that other people have views. And also, I think, interestingly, for people that have chosen to, the BBC forgets that it is a public service broadcaster that is leave, losing broadcasters hand over fist because they're taking more money elsewhere, which means if people are staying at the BBC, they're staying because they believe in public broadcasting. They could be making 200 grand a year elsewhere more on you know going off to you know global or, or wherever it is that some of them have gone mm. now, i'm not that's not to criticize people that have gone off and done that by the way but these people are clearly have committed to this haven't they they're clearly into it yeah. what did you think they were going to do if you tried to effectively shut gary lineker down these people are probably likely to hold similar sort of views. This was always going to happen. It was such a catastrophic mismanagement. It was always going to become I'm Spartacus. That is exactly what was going to happen. The BBC, you know, says oh, it has to be impartial, etc. They don't really seem to want to go after Alan Sugar and his increasingly Indeed. unpleasant tweets, yes. which are great example. racist. You know, they're, they're racist. His his recent, you know, ridiculous Sundance Tans tweet was racist. A presenter, and that's not to denigrate what Gary Lineker does, but ultimately a presenter, a media personality, expresses a view and expresses a view on something which, I mean, people talk about, oh, it's political. I mean, I get the point that he's being punished uh, not for necessarily expressing those views. The specific issue seems to have been that he replied to a tweet that replied to his original tweet yeah. and made the comparison with 1930s Germany. Now, I get that Keir Starmer's, so Keir Starmer's spokesperson said something along the lines, and I thought this was, again, quite well expressed. Um, his, uh, what did they say? It said... Um, Comparisons with Germany in the 1930s aren't always the best way to make no. an argument. Well, that shows incredible strength, although part of me thinks, and I do understand the need for impartiality in broadcasters, though I do think, like you say, who cares what Gary Lineker yeah. thinks he presents football. But part of me thinks, yes, OK, so I do get, you know, people comparing to Nazis can be, you know, Goodwin's law can be a blunt instrument. Having said that, part of me does think that 1930s Germany happened because nobody said anything until until it had actually happened. Mm. And part of me thinks that this, this, you know, this horrible, you know, sort of shabby policy that's being punted through that's very clearly a culture war. The fact that you get these, you know, the, the political parties that once stood for big things, that once wanted to make Britain better, whether or not you agreed with it, are now reduced to, to dolling out podiums with stop the boats printed on them. I mean, the whole thing is just is just shabby and horrible. And all the time that we're talking about whether or not Garrick and Lineker can be on Match of the Day, and all the time we're talking about the fact that Match of the Day has no presenters, no commentators and backing music, I have to say, we watched a little bit of it this morning. I was staying with friends. Part of me thinks we shouldn't give it credence. Part of us quite enjoyed the format, actually, without anybody trolling yeah. on. But, um, but part of me thinks all the time we're talking about Gary Lineker, the, the BBC have either deliberately or unintentionally played into the hands of the people that don't want you to look too closely at this policy because we're not talking about this policy and whether or not it's right or not. We're talking about the fact that Gary Lineker is 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 or isn't appearing on Match of the Day. Mm. The whole thing, once again, a huge open goal for the BBC um, and not not a good thing, really, in my view. No, I mean, as an aside, each there seems to be a rule that each successive director general of the BBC is worse than the previous one. Oh, and absolutely. Tim Davey is, you know, the, the worst of all time. What absolutely. a pinnock. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Even worse than George 54 Days Entwistle <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, just a, a quick addition to your absolutely spot on um, remarks about little Alan Sugar and what he mm. did. I was thinking on the other, perhaps slightly different part of the political spectrum ian hislop is uh, hmm. a guest on have i got news for you he's one of the he's one of the captains isn't one of the he? captains so he's, he's yeah sort of a so he, he, guess, he speaks yeah. on the bbc on the program he's also the editor of private eye one of the most anti-establishment uh, publications that one could imagine hmm. um so why is he allowed yes, to appear exactly. on Have I Got News For You and publish um, 
anti-government information and Gary Lineker can't say what he wants. Exactly and if anything there's a stronger argument because Hisstop is I suppose a journalist isn't he really? One thing I would say. It's the lack of uniformity that is really. I think so I think so and I think that's that's a good you know that's that's Mm. that's well put although one thing I would say not exactly pushing back on that but one thing that might be worth us thinking about maybe is you say that 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 private eye is anti sort of anti-establishment anti-government the thing that I've always quite enjoyed about the private eye is that it's in a way sort of anti-everybody really in that actually it is genuinely even-handed perhaps one could argue even more handed than even-handed than the BBC in that I mean, and we've talked about this previously on the podcast, so apologies if we're repeating old ground here, but this is once again an example of the BBC bending over backwards to please people that will never be pleased. Um, this is up there with what, what they like to call BBC balance. And I think Emily Maitlis oh, has gone on record as saying this before and other people of saying that the obsession for balance means that you have to have someone that believes the world is flat if exactly. you have someone that yeah. believes the world is round, even if, you know, there have been, you know, even if it's been disproved in the same ways once when we were watching the BBC Brighton and Hove in the referendum in the EU referendum in 2016 voted something like 70% in favour of Remain and yet they still had two people or, that they vox popped in the street and one was Remain and one was Leave and yeah, you feel like saying, how is that yeah, representative also good, it must have taken you hours to find a Leave voter in central Brighton because I don't know how that <laughs> happened and it was in central Brighton as well it wasn't like you know one of the, one of the outposts but yeah it just seems it seems like you know this constant shooting itself in the foot yes. And 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 you know so, so you if you're in a position where the private eye and in his sort might be more even-handed than than you know having having you know like you say than you know the BBC itself, there's real real issues and I have no faith in Tim Davy at all that he isn't in the pocket of people and and this is a good example to me when you look at the change in tone from 2016 and 2018 and Gary Lineker's comments to 2020. It just seemed to be a bit ridiculous. You know, did they really need to pull him for a match of the day? Could they not have just wrapped his knuckles slightly in for the 1930s Germany thing, which I don't have an issue with, but yeah, okay, I can kind I of... I do, see but yeah. Yeah. Um, I do it in poor taste, but, you know, that's another issue altogether. But, you know, what? why why pull him from that? Why pull mm. him from it? That, you no, know, I it, agree. They yeah. created their own crisis. This is once again a crisis of the, own, the BBC's own making. It's possibly... Um, a little unfair to mention Gary Lineker's £1.35 million each yes, year to present yes. the match today um, when I introduce the next story, which is the week that BBC announced further measures to cut costs, mm. reduce costs. One of them is to cut back on the on local radio stations the the, the number of um, shows on local radio mm. stations highlighting emerging musicians. Mm. The show is called BBC Introducing, and 32 out of the 39 BBC local stations run these shows to highlight up-and-coming musicians in their area and it's being cut from 32 shows to 20 and this has caused a lot of media fuss and I, I just wonder Jules um I think you may have a different view on this to me I'm not convinced this is a hill to die on but there's I think you you feel this is a very important um loss where else are we going to get our headliners, our future headliners of Glastonbury, etc., if we don't give young people new outlets for for new music? And we've talked about this previously in terms of the collapse of small venues. Mm, yes, the pipeline yes. for, you know, the pipeline for young people to come through with music bands is being choked off. I've got, I, I don't know them terribly well, but I sort of describe them as pals, in a band called the Kid Capici, who come from Hastings originally. Um, they recently signed a multi-album deal with Universal Records. Um, they had a sold-out headline tour around Britain. Uh, they get played regularly on Radio 1 in the evenings now. I don't think they've been A-list yet, but they certainly, you hear them on, on the evening shows. They first came through um, via... BBC introducing. They used to go over. They used to to show themselves going over. I know various bands whose only radio play to date has been on BBC introducing, who have since managed to sell, managed to make money by selling records because they've been on BBC introducing. I don't know. When when we live in an increasingly sort of compartmentalised music world. BBC Radio lo- local radio. We talked about this. One, I think we talked about the cuts generally. 
is still a really important lifeline for people. It was, after all, the, the, the excellent journalists on BBC Local Radio who completely undid Liz Truss. It was probably met them that mm. precipitated her mm. resigning, ultimately. That nightmare, yeah. that nightmare tour that she did, um, <laughs> which, which they ended up playing it in full on, I think it was newscast, you can listen to the director's yeah. cut of every Liz Truss interview in a row. And they're all about four minutes long. They're all awful in completely different ways. And the reason they're all awful in different ways is that each local presenter that was switched into what was going on managed to find a way to ding her because she knew nothing about it, because her advisors thought that local radio was the soft option, not realising that it's the hardest option. There is still a huge listenership for local radio. BBC Local Radio. It's still a lot of ways that people find out what's happening in their local news. Whenever there have been miniature earthquakes in Britain, it's always people end up listening and ringing into their local radio station. And I think that local music is still the same thing. When you, particularly in small towns like mine, smallish towns, Hastings and the wider metropolis has a has a, a, a population of less than a hundred thousand. It's about ninety thousand. That's if you count all the villages, etc. Yeah. Hastings itself is about sixty-five thousand. So it's not a one-horse town but it's not huge and actually if you're a, a band trying to get some sort of exposure in a world where all of the local venues are increasingly closing and again those that haven't been finished off by covid are probably being finished off by by energy bills etc um you know, in that sort of world, local radio and particularly BBC introducing, which is really well done, I must say. And I've listened to it across different parts of the country. And there are really good, knowledgeable presenters there that genuinely do wade through hundreds, sometimes thousands of demos a week and find stuff that then breaks bands through that. Lots of, re you know, lots of really successful bands and some of the few bands that have actually ended up coming through and, and sort of headlining on the BBC have ended up coming through that so actually when it comes down to it i think that once again i really feel for young bands that that are being shortchanged here because it feels like every avenue that is ha that, that you know gets them through is is being cut off it seems a bit ridiculous really ed sheeran florence and the machine george edstra little sims all huge hitters now, you would say, particularly, mm. particularly, you know, George Ezra appearing at the at the, uh, at the 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 Queen's birthday concert, Ed Sheeran, you know, enormous, mm. Florence of the Machine, Glastonbury headliners, you know, all that kind of stuff. Where are these people going to come from if there's no live music venues and and you know increase it? There's little music press, as we've said previously, the complete decline mm. of the NME. The monthlies are doing some good work, but again, that's very limited, you know. And there's no local radio and no and no sort of platform. The good thing about BBC Introducing is you can upload your demo onto the website and they pick it off. So actually, it's a really direct way and a really good right. way of getting of getting bands sort of in front of people. What's going to yeah. happen? And what's going to happen in 25 times, 25 years time, Terence? Are we going to have a, a, a hologram of Elton John headlining <laughs> Glastonbury because there aren't because there isn't you know there aren't the bands coming up? Where are they? What's going to happen? Well, terrifyingly, you may have seen into the future there, but no, you you, you are making me think. You are making me rethink because. Mm. Well, I um, like that. And I like that you feel you can rethink, Sir T. I always like a person that can rethink. Yes, because I, I really was holding a very opposite point of view to mm. you because I was I'm all for helping and promoting emerging musicians, of course. But I'm I'm just far from convinced that a play on BBC Cumbria at 6.30 on a Thursday evening, which is when they do theirs, I had a bit of a look mm. around. I don't think that's going to lead to much. And, and fewer and fewer young people listen to the radio. And I think BBC local radio is on its last legs anyway. I mean, this is just a straw poll, but I, I because of sort of family ties, I come across an, a lot of young people in their 20s, early 30s. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know one of them that listens to the radio at all. They well, just, it's in, don't, mm, it's, they it's just in, don't. It's, it's interesting. Although having said that, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to see sort of, I know quite a lot of young people, young, much younger people that currently hear it at work sometimes. So, right, so they might right. be working in places like shop <laughs> so, floors, places sort of like that. where they, where they yeah. them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And yet, yeah, they do. So, I mean, it just feels like uh, sometimes, and actually sometimes I know some young people that, are, that get picked up by parents in cars that are playing it on the radio. So maybe it's an osmosis thing, but it does feel increasingly like, all of these platforms for young bands are being taken away. And it's not even like, oh, you can say I can play in the clubs. There aren't any clubs. 
You know, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. all collapsing. And part of me thinks, you know, and again, this goes back to what is the BBC for? Yeah. The BBC is forced, and and you know I won't I won't delight you with a rant about Lake Junction again. But but you know it's but it's like when you know what yeah. is the BBC doing? You know if yeah. it is the the public broadcaster, surely it's meant to have a bit of budget to give young bands and developing the musical heritage of Britain a platform which isn't going to be given on commercial radio because that's not commercial radio. The commercial radio's goal is to make money, not for the public good. You know, and also I think it's short-sighted because quite a lot of these BBC, you know, introducing people have gone on to be huge, like Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah yes, you, you you make a, a, a very good point. I'm, I'm rethinking. Thanks very much for listening this week. Yes, as, as always, now that he agrees with me, I very much <laughs> echo the sentiments of my <laughs> lovely friend. Certainly not suffering from a decline in listenership, Juliet shows are the most listened to on Noisebox Radio. Well, they, they they do fairly. They're not the most, but they do. They're amongst the the, the, the more favoured shows. Having said that, though, every well, don't, show on don't let facts is, get in the way of. Oh what yes, I'm exactly. Every, every show on Noisebox is worth a listen, though. So I do need to mop that bit up. But uh, yes, I do a couple of shows. Um, smooth sailing, seven to nine pm uh, Sunday evenings. Um, that is yacht rock. Um, easy listening. M.O.R., A.O.R., you know, classic pop, that sort of thing. And then Thursday evenings from eight till nine, I do Lost for Words, which is instrumentals of all sorts, all and indeed no genres. And you can listen to all shows again on Mixcloud.com if you search for Noisebox Radio. A sad reason to play our closing track. It's a, a tribute to the famous New York jazz club of the same name, but also um, a, a, a great musician who died this uh, this week, Jules. Yes, very much uh, indeed. Very sad to hear of the loss of Wayne Shorter. Um, and I, 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 so I knew Wayne Shorter as a as a solo artist. Um, I think I had speak. Is it called Speak No Evil? I had one of his uh, LPs as part of this weird and this this is how lots of people discover music i think through weird special offers um zavi had this weird thing um and i think they've realized that they've wildly underpriced them because they revised it in the future i think but we did this they did this thing during one of the lockdowns where they diagnostini the the magazine and like you know buy apart every week people did a sort of a a, an lps one with jazz lps and i think they ended up with hundreds of these remaindered lps and so i bought 10 jazz lps for 30 quid so they were three three quid each sealed yes they they cottoned onto that they since rechanged it to five i think for for 30 Mm. quid or something because they realized that lots of wild jazz fans were you know piling on and the 10 that i got sent you were sent any 10 so actually Lots of my friends are putting them up on Twitter. We were all getting slightly different ones. But I got Speak No Evil by Wayne Shorter, which I enjoyed very much. What I hadn't realised was that he was in Weather Report, which I didn't really know, I have to say, mm. for, until until his passing. So it was a good excuse to dig this out. One of those tunes, a bit like Green Onions by Pooker T and the MGs. Everyone knows the song, but they don't know what it's called. I knew the bit from this for years and didn't know what it was. And thanks to those little apps you get on your phone, like Soundhound and uh, what's the other one called Shazam, Shazam where you can like yeah. point it at the telly and it and it tell you what it is. This was played um, to soundtrack Bart Simpson looking after a baby bird in The Simpsons, and of course it turned out to be called this very aptly. That's why they picked it. Um, this is Weather Report and this is Birdland.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>